adjusting these ratios really help to improve not only the gut health and, and reducing diarrhea, but also uh, we observe uh, increased growth performance of the, of the pigs. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry, one that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here, you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Adiseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in a high-quality, safe, and sustainable way. NutriQuest, experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions. Minitube, the worldwide leading supplier of systems for the field of assisted animal reproduction. Genesis, the first power in genetics. Merck Animal Health, driven by prevention. Evonik, we are sciencing the global food challenge. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Every pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Just all, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Welcome to the Swine It Podcast Show. I am Laura Greiner, your host for today's episode. This episode's sponsor highlight is about Evonik Animal Nutrition. Evonik stands for a holistic and sustainable value proposition for livestock production. It combines products and services and leverages digital solutions. This is all backed with high value consultancy and deep customer understanding. Evonik turns science-based efficient nutrition, sustainable healthy nutrition, and precision livestock farming into value for customers and consumers. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And today I have John Tu with me. John Tu is a director of technical consultation for Evonik. John, how are you today? Hi, good morning, Laura. I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for your time. Good. Well, we're glad to have you here today. John, our audience may not be familiar with you, so would you mind giving a little bit of an introduction about yourself? Yes, uh, my name is John Tu. I'm currently uh, Director Technical Consultancy at uh, Evonik Animal Nutrition. Um, I'm based in Hanang, which is our headquarter. It's been quite a kind of journey, you know, to, for me. Uh, as you can see me, I'm originally from uh, Myanmar, which is also called Burma. And, and I grew up in a pretty much agricultural area uh, in a small city. Um, also, when I was still attending high school, um, back then, uh, my parents uh, had a small scale farms producing some uh, pigs and also uh, poultry. And as being the oldest son in the family, I helped um, uh, with my parents, you know, feeding these um, uh, pigs and poultry. So I already had uh, uh, some background in animal production. After high school, um, I got the opportunity to uh, go abroad. So um, I wanted to uh, help uh, the people, the farmers. As I said, around 70% or more of the people are very much in, into in agriculture uh, business. So um, I selected, you know, like uh, Laurenstein uh, International uh, agricultural uh, college 
to, to study. So I specialize on animal production. And uh, it was for me really a big opportunity. It's, uh, you know, it's like, wow, it's a new world, open out into a lot of, uh, you know, uh, knowledge and books. And so I was very much um, eager to learn. And then I, as a part of the um, project for my dissertation for the BSc degree, I got the chance to go to uh, ITCPH, which is Inter International Training Center on Pig Husbandry in Lipa City in, in the Philippines. So I learned a lot of hands-on um, um, knowledge, also particular skills in, in pig production. Um, and then I wanted to really proceed further to, to learn more in, in animal nutrition. So as I explained, uh, we have both crop production and animal science, and I, I wanted to uh, specialize in animal production or animal nutrition. And I went to uh, Göttingen University in Germany for my master and also for the, uh, we call it a doctorate degree in um, agriculture science, which is like, we can also call like PhD. And I, I specialize on uh, monogastric uh, animal nutrition. Uh, after that, I still wanted to learn more. So I went to all the way to Canada from Germany um, as a postdoc with Dr. Willem Zauer. Um, maybe I think a lot of swine nutritionists know him. Uh, he, he, was, uh, he did a lot of work in uh, amino acid nutrition uh, uh, at that time. Uh, and then also I for I, I was with him uh, for two years, and then I also uh, worked with Dr. Ruth Zesra for one year. So after three years, I uh, believe that I could, I'm prepared now to uh, go into feed um, uh, industry. So I, uh, yeah, I got a, I joined Evonik then. Uh, so after all this, you know, learning as a, Swine research manager. Uh, so I moved from Canada back to Germany uh, because it's our headquarters. And I was uh, responsible for uh, swine uh, research activities for, it's a global position. And uh, we work with all the leading university worldwide. After it was in 2007, uh, 11 years, I took up another uh, position, uh, which is uh, more in, into bridging from the research to the producer, to the customer. So it's a technical uh, director and swine uh, nutrition. Uh, it was in 2018. Uh, and in 2020, I also took up another additional roles to support technical support on uh, our gut health solution products and services for the customer. So it's, it's been quite a, quite a journey. Uh, so really from the starting until now when I'm, it's been like 25 years or so. It's quite a, quite a journey, yeah. It is quite a journey, but you've had lots of wonderful experiences along the way, it sounds like. So as you've, as you've gone through your, your career for those 25 years and, and even today in your role where you're looking at, at global pig production, what are some main challenges that you're seeing in the pork industry? We can say that we always have, you know, some challenges for the pork or animal industry. And um, obviously, um, the disease outbreak uh, 
of this like uh, African swine fever uh, has really damaged the impact uh, and also other challenges in, you know, like the high feed cost and availability of raw materials and so on. But um, from my perspective, I would like to address three um, main challenges that I think is uh, quite um, current uh, or, you know, like a, it's a trend, global trends. Um, the first one is the demand pretty much, you know, um, coming from the consumer side, yeah, uh, like uh, uh, antibiotics, um, free um, products in terms of uh, for uh, human health concern. So uh, it started um, obviously in, in Europe um, in, in, in 2006 um, with the bank of uh, antibiotic group promoters. And it's also now uh, the consumer understand it very well. So it's, it's spreading, you know, uh, there is a higher increased demand of EGP free products, meat and you know, eggs and so on. So also um, it's like in also 2018, um, uh, also in, in, in Asia and it's, it's, um, uh, it's spreading. So uh, the downside of it is that the, our animals, our pigs are having, we call it suboptimum immune uh, status. So, so really, um, it's not, uh, it has been quite a while, but still there is a need to find, uh, you know, a solution, nutritional solutions or strategies to, to tackle that, produce uh, our animals, um, uh, especially uh, for, for example, for wind pigs um, to solve their post winter diarrhea uh, problems. And another one um, is also the, growing awareness on the environmental pollution. Uh, also, there is um, uh, producers, um, not only in Europe, but also in other countries, uh, have to cope with reduced nitrogen and phosphorus um, excretion from their operations. Um, also, we had uh, last year another extended um, yeah, uh, regulation in terms of nitrogen excretion for the uh, livestock producer in Germany, for example. And the third one, I would address that uh, uh, also there are uh, producers have um, an issue that they, although they have, uh, you know, improved genetics, but their pigs um, do not meet the genetic potentials um, due to some uh, challenges in terms of um, immune status or also uh, heat stress. Um, yeah, and also this, again, the um, nutritional um, knowledge and so on. So that is also, I see the potential to really improve in, 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 in this area as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I, I think you're talking about some very current topics that we do here quite regularly in the industry. And, and so when you think about those three areas and, and you think about the research that you're involved in today, because you're, as you mentioned, you're working with universities as well as internal research, you know, what are some key areas of research that you think we should be focusing on to address those, those problems? We uh, know these challenges, these problems, and also for, we would like to um, support, to solve, to tackle these challenges for the producers, for our customers also. And also we always, uh, whatever we do in terms of research, um, we check whether 
you know, this is valuable, meaningful for, uh, for the producer, for the customer. And as I mentioned, the first one uh, to tackle EGP free feeding and this is to, to improve the gut health and also the immune status of the, of the animals. We have uh, been doing research uh, in, in uh, the amino acid nutrition. Uh, we, we know there's some key amino acids uh, like uh, methionine, threonine, and tryptophan play roles in immune function. And uh, we have um, actually collaborated with uh, four uh, um, famous uh, universities from Canada, um, uh, United States, and also uh, Australia uh, to, to look at the, you know, if the amino acid requirements uh, are changing depending on the, um, the immune status. So we also use like challenge model, like uh, uh, LPS, or even with Ecoline or Salmonella challenge, or also we use like um, sanitary challenges, like um, keeping the pigs in a clean condition or in a dirty condition. And so, but really, in the last over a decade or so, uh, we uh, generated uh, these uh, findings and also has been published. So this is the, and also uh, along that line, uh, we also. Um, look at, you know, the low crude protein diets. We also, you know, we are focusing on our sustainability uh, for the, in terms of uh, production of livestock production. And so we have done um, uh, a lot of uh, research on looking at not only reducing the crude protein, but also uh, to understand the interaction. Uh, and also more recently, we also um, uh, determined the effects of uh, gut health so, uh, products like uh, probiotics. And we also um, look at the interaction of reducing crude protein and also adding these uh, probiotics. So these are the, the areas that uh, we have been working. And also to really apply these concepts, we need to have um, accurate um, understanding of amino acid requirement or ratios. We call it idea ratios. So we have done uh, amino acid, uh, the ratios of optimal ratios, the next limiting amino acid. So for why we have, um, I believe, quite accurate uh, estimate for license requirements, but um, for the next limiting amino acid, um, uh, methionine plus cysteine, trionine, tryptophan, you, 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 we can see there's a range of, or quite a var variations uh, comparing, for example, Europe or those um, uh, values are used in, in other continents. So also we are, um, you know, uh, running experiment to, to determine these uh, ratios of next limiting amino acid. For now, uh, we have um, looked at up to the next limiting amino acid, the branching amino acid. So, um, you know, so we know uh, valine is the, the next limiting amino acid after tryptophan and isoleucine. Yeah, so, so these are some of the topics that we have been working on yeah, in our group. Yeah, I think that's great because again, we, as we continue as well here, right, feed costs are rising and, and we're trying to use more amino acids and there are more and more available to us in the United States. And so, you know, we are asking those questions today about branch chain amino acid ratios and what is optimal 
And we have the ability with isoleucine now to, to start to explore that in a little bit more detail. So I think that work is very relevant and, and very useful for the industry as a whole. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that you also mentioned in there was um, in addition to ideal amino acid ratios, um, there is discussion about dynamic amino acid ratios. And, and can you talk a little bit about what the difference is and, and what, what we should be looking at when we think about dynamic amino acid ratios? Yes, um, we call it this dynamic amino acid ratios because um, traditionally uh, the idea ratios is more or less constant, you know, for, yeah, first we have to know the license requirement and these ideal ratios of limiting amino acid, like, like a fixed ratio. We, and, and also we know very well that uh, very early publication from the, the Baker, Chung and Baker. So we have been using that. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, um, some key uh, amino acid um, are involved in uh, enhancing the immune status or gut health. Uh, for example, um, uh, threonine is uh, important, you know, in, in the in the mucin secretion, and and so when we use fiber-rich ingredients, uh, wheat middling, uh, soybean hulls, and or even DDGS, um, we know that the the ratios, not not the absolute requirement of lysine per se, but the ratios of threonine is increased um, and and also uh, is true for other uh, amino acid uh, as i explained earlier uh, tryptophan uh, ratios increase under immune channel condition because of its roles in chiroranin pathway um, and also uh, methionine as a precursor for cysteine and cysteine is required for uh, glutathione which is uh, intercellular uh, antioxidant so it's very important to understand that uh, we should adjust the ratios of these amino acids uh, according to the immune status of the of the pigs we are producing. And just for example, um, more than ten years back, um, we had a, a discussion. I mean, among nutritionists, also we see that the tryptophan to lysine ratios there is really difference, uh, uh, those that are used in, in, in the nutrition in North America compared with those in, in Europe, even today, right? So tryptophan for wind pigs is like 21, 22%. And in, 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 in North America is lower. So the question, you know, like what, what, what could be the reason? So we have done uh, a series of experiments, for example, uh, at different uh, uh, locations and, uh, but we did not, include uh, antibiotics group promoter. Um, and, and then we really see a very nice response. Uh, but, you know, about the other uh, producing areas where uh, um, using AGPs and also the health status is very high. And then, you know, uh, the, so the needs of uh, tryptophan uh, requirement is lower. So these are, uh, so we, uh, we call this dynamic uh, amino acid ratios. Uh, to better uh, adapt with the production, you know, specific producer, uh, whether they have uh, this kind of immune challenge 
or not. And also we really see that in some uh, more uh, tropical countries, um, adjusting these ratios really help to improve not only the gut health and, and reducing diarrhea, but also uh, we observe uh, increased growth performance of the, of the pigs. And also uh, with heat stress, and in, in many countries, uh, pigs are produced under heat stress condition with the ambient temperature of uh, higher than 30, 31 degrees Celsius. And also even in temperate countries during um, summer months, it's gonna be quite, quite uh, hot. Also, we see that by adjusting these, some of these amino acids, uh, for example, uh, methionine or, or arginine, or even simply you know, reducing uh, crude protein counter in the diet. So that helped the, the, and for the pigs to cope you know, to, to, to reduce heat production and they can uh, increase the, the, the feed intake uh, somewhere. And, and then again, adding additional or higher levels of uh, amino acid using this crystalline or synthetic amino acid. We observe also um, uh, uh, improve gain to feed ratios and also um, everyday ligand of the pigs. So, uh, we are supporting, you know, the producer with this uh, um, adjusting, uh, optimizing the dynamic amino acid ratios. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because sometimes as nutritionists, we, I won't say that we forget, but we were focused on low cost and, and trying to optimize performance. But if you're formulating for a lot of producers, it's pretty common to just have one diet going out because that's more efficient for our feed mill. Um, but the dynamic amino acid ratios, they're really important to think about. And, you know, I know, for example, for me in the summer months, I'll increase the tryptophan ratio to help with heat stress as well. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Interesting. You know, yeah, yeah we, we try to think about it, but I, I think it's good to continue to remind people that particularly at weaning, when we're talking about that adjustment that we need to remember that maybe we need to shift those ratios beyond NRC or genetic company recommendations to, to line up with the pig's needs. So that's very interesting. Indeed, yes. So one of the things that you mentioned in there was um, the, the low protein diets. And we've been talking about lower crude protein diets in the United States probably for the last 10 years. And as I mentioned a little bit ago, as more and more feed grade amino acids become available to us, you know, we're using more and more of those in our diets. Um, but can you talk a little bit about what you view when you talk about low protein diets and sustainability? Yes, this is a um, very uh, important topic uh, um, and it's getting more and more important. So as we speak, uh, the low crude protein or low protein diets as such is not, um, a new concept it has been uh, quite a while, uh, even two, three decades. Uh, the earlier research has been done in, in, in Europe, uh, uh, also um, pretty much um, triggered by availability of this uh, crystalline or feed grade amino acid, but also uh, to find solutions um, the, uh, to, uh, without EGP and also you know, Europe in some countries uh, in the in a intensive uh, producing, producing area, the, the land is uh, limited. So uh, there is also a stricter regulations. Um, so 
uh, per definition, I would say uh, low crude protein diet is not just simply reducing the crude protein content of the diet, but we have to still um, uh, supply adequate amount of amino acid, essential amino acid, and also non-essential amino acid in the diet. So it's uh, uh, advanced uh, nu nutritional uh, knowledge is uh, needed, for example, to do that, we need to understand what is the accurate amino acid um, requirement, right? So the good thing is though, is that in, when we look back the last one and one and a half decades, a lot of knowledge has been created uh, compared with, you know, the, the, uh, yeah, two decades ago uh, in terms of amino acid requirement, uh, lysine. And also when we look back uh, at that time, uh, 10 years back, uh, license requirements, there were some variations. And so uh, NRC in 1998, and now we have a new NRC. So when we look at the license requirement, it's uh, a very good agreement and also these ratios. So um, we need to use the, you know, the, the best available uh, nutritional concept like based on the SID, uh, standardized iliac digestive amino acid concept, and also for, for pigs, for swine, uh, we should use the net energy system because it is um, the most accurate uh, system that is currently available. It's not perfect. We still need to, you know, improve more, especially on the fiber uh, side of uh, net energy uh, estimation. But using these uh, really help um, uh, to maintain optimum performance while we are feeding the low crude protein diets. And why is that low protein has got a lot of attention and, and interest is that it has really multiple uh, uh, benefits for the, not only for the uh, producers, but also for the environment, you know, for the, the, the human society as a whole. Um, just to, to name it, you know, on, it was also very consistent when we also have done uh, some nitrogen balance uh, studies um, and also you know, uh, reviewing all the available uh, literature, we see that uh, reducing dietary crude protein of 1% point, for example, say for nursery pigs that are from 20, 20 to 19% crude protein, we, we see that on average are uh, 9% um, reduction in nitrogen excretion, total nitrogen excretion, and roughly 12% ammonia emission is reduced and two to 3% uh, drinking water is uh, less needed for the pig. So it means a lot for, especially uh, in, in, in the tropical countries and also like those uh, intensive producing areas. And surely it's uh, not that straightforward as I explained. Um, uh, uh, Sometimes we, we see a drop in performance with low protein diets or, um, you know, uh, affecting the carcass characteristic of the, or the finishing pigs, for, for example. And a lot of time we see that um, one or more of the uh, next limited amino acid become limiting as we reduce in, for example, crude protein, for example, lowering the inclusion level of swine bean meal, and we are adding uh, the next limited amino acid. It depends on uh, how many we are using, right? So um, uh, tryptophan also valine or isoleucine, and typically valine isoleucine uh, can become next limiting and which is the reason. So we have to pay attention to understand these. And, and, but if we ask the question, how should we, you know, uh, optimize this or how low we can lower our dietary crude proteins? I think that we can look at two scenarios. The first one is um, 
if we're going to uh, reduce dietary crude protein of from the, very, very much depends on where we are, right? How many amino acids we are using. And, and if we reduce like one to 2%, in most cases it's already quite good if we check all the ideal ratios of 10 essential uh, amino acid ratios. And, and also uh, pay attention on the net, preferably using on net energy system. So we are quite good. But in some situation, when we lower uh, that crude protein um, in, in a in a great extent, like we call it extremely low crude protein diet, where we reduce uh, soybean inclusion uh, like from 20 to 5% or really even remo <laughs> removing soybean meal under this condition, we have to uh, remember uh, to also look at not only 10 essential amino acid, but also uh, non-essential amino acid uh, can become limiting. And we know that the pigs can um, uh, do de novo synthesis on non-essential amino acid, but they still need um, the nitrogen, right, in, 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 the, in the diet. So uh, the, the question is that uh, then how should we do that? Because we don't have um, a good understanding on requirement of non-essential amino acid. So one pretty simple approach is to look at the, the lysine to cruperin ratios in, in our pig's diet. Right? On, if we look at on the SID lysine to cruperin ratio, uh, based on, it may not be uh, perfect, but based on what we observe, we shouldn't increase that ratios higher than 6.9%, for example, 6.9. Yes, or, or on a total lysine to cruperin, roughly 7.4%. If it is like higher than that, like 8% or so, then pretty sure that uh, one or more uh, amino acid uh, are limiting in, in, in the diets. So um, we are supporting this uh, in, you know, with, the, with the producers, how, when they want to lower crude protein. So a lot of questions how to do, and also other questions like how um, they have doubt about the use of this uh, figure amino acid, yeah? So how can we use it or what maybe we will see the, you know, um, the reduced pig production uh, or performance and so on. So these are all um, very, um, it's pretty, when we look at it, it's quite uh, straightforward, but it's really, uh, I would say, uh, very high, you know, levels of nutrition is needed. We need to apply all concepts, yeah? And also we should, shouldn't underestimate the, the analytic, yeah? So because when we use the table value, we see uh, quite some variations of nutrient uh, content in, in raw materials. And so uh, we also uh, support with the analyzed um, amino acid concentrations or raw materials. So we have the NIR-based uh, methodology uh, for the producer, for example. And that's very interesting. I had not heard the, the lysine to crude protein ratio before. So SID lysine to crude protein shouldn't be higher than 6.8. Total lysine to crude protein shouldn't be more than 7.4. So I think that's, that's actually very interesting. Um, and I, I think you addressed exactly some of the questions that, and concerns that we're seeing here as, we've, as we lower the diets um, down in crude protein particularly here where we're using some byproducts like dry distillers grains, we'll have diets and finishing um, where we may not have uh, soybean meal at all. And so 
to keep those other ratios in mind beyond just the straight amino acid ratios, I think are really important and, and very valuable for our audience to, to think about. Yes, indeed. And as you touch on the uh, feeding DDGS, um, I would like to just um, briefly mention that also in, in a high protein uh, DDGS, which we have currently, are very high in crude protein, higher than before, and also the concentration of branching amino acids higher. So very interesting. I, again, maybe more than six, seven years ago or so, we, we have really in very good discussion with nutritionists uh, uh, and from Canada and also from, from Europe uh, on the, what is the, you know, optimum tryptophan to lysine ratios if we, um, are feeding the pigs with diet containing more than 30% DDGS. And uh, we, we see that when we, you know, we, uh, we, we see that there is um, improved performance if we increase the tryptophan to lysine ratios at least 19 or higher before, you know, because the ratio uh, in the past used to be quite low, as low as sometimes 16, 17%, uh, depends. Um, and it's also because um, the branching amino acid, especially leucine, XL leucine can cause the branching amino acid antagonism or imbalance. And this directly impact on the feed intake. And so we need to, um, again, uh, check the, the, the ratios of leucine to lysine. So um, roughly if the leucine to lysine ratio is like higher than 140, 150%, and we should be uh, careful uh, and, and adjust the isoleucine to lysine ratios. This is also one of the early uh, study. Uh, we're trying to answer why is there the difference in isoleucine ratios? Some are using 55, 54, and some are 60. And so, so we see that with the um, use of uh, spirit drying blood cells, which is very high in, in, uh, in, in leucine content. So by adding the ratios isoleucine to from 50 to 60 uh, help to increase feed intake um, uh, of the pigs and also you know maintain performance and it's also there is uh, interaction with this branch amino acid with tryptophan because they are competing uh, in the to get into the uh, from the blood to the brain and so if we boost the tryptophan a bit in the diet and that also it it helps the pigs to eat. Uh, you know, to avoid reducing feed intake. So these are the very interesting. Um, we, uh, more recent research has been done also the, at some university in, in, in the United States and it's very current um, topics and we have um, a better understanding. Uh, this is uh, something which I, I'm very pleased about it. Yes, yeah, that's a very great, Good comment on being aware of the branch chain amino acid ratios relative to lysine. Um, certainly, we see it here too. Is you know, we'll start to see more vices in the barn, such as tail biting and so forth, if we're not careful to keep those those ratios balanced. Um, so that's that's a very good conversation. Um, could actually be another whole podcast actually about <laughs> branch chain amino acids. So but I think that's a, a great conversation. I'm always glad to talk about amino acids. <laughs> yes, yes. yes, yes. One of the other things that you had mentioned in your topics of concern were was really about gut health. And I know this is something that, that you and your group was very passionate about. 
So could you talk just briefly about uh, what you envision when you talk about holistic gut health? Yes, this is uh, an, another very important uh, topic, uh, which is also very current. Um, uh, we know that especially in young animals for pigs uh, after weaning, uh, uh, we have uh, an issue with the um, post-weaning uh, diarrhea, uh, which is pretty much um, a global issue. Um, so gut health is very complex, obviously. The digestive tract is not um, only needed for digestion, absorption, nutrients, um, but it's also uh, a, a barrier from pathogens reaching into the blood pools, into the body. And at the same time, it's, it's uh, the, the, the organs which the highest amount of ant antibodies, so very important key uh, immune organs, we can say it for of the, of the animals. And also it is, um, it's, I, I would call it a dwelling place for all these, you know, trillions of uh, microbes, uh, gut microbiota. And this balance of gut microbiota is, is, is very important. And it can also cross talk, you know, with, with uh, an immune uh, system uh, regulating the, the, the health of the uh, animal. So um, we also, as I mentioned earlier, it's very important not only produce the pork, but also we have to pay uh, attention of the well-being of the of the animals and also for the safe, uh, uh, high quality meat, uh, which is really, um, we see this as a very, very important, also producing in a sustainable way. Uh, so we used to um, also in, in, in pretty much across the globe, we use the antibiotics to, to solve that, to control this uh, post-winning diarrhea uh, issue. And now uh, there is a growing interest, interest to not to use or reduce use of uh, anti antibiotics. So we are looking at now research, how we can um, tackle that uh, problems. Also, obviously there are uh, other companies and producers, they are also developing the nutritional concepts. Uh, so at, at Evonik, we, when we call this holistic uh, gut health concept, uh, we, we really look at the whole production change of the swine. For example, we are supporting with sourcing the quality raw material, which is very important. If we, we don't feed uh, the, the, the animals with quality feed or it's contaminated with, you know, uh, like uh, mycotoxin or other antinutritional factors, and uh, and we cannot achieve the healthy animals. So, we we start with analytic and 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 using based on analytic based feed formulation, and also using all this more precision nutrition. So, using the SID concept, uh, accurate uh, estimation of these amino acid levels, and also net energy. This is the basic, and then. The next step is to lower the dietary crude protein content uh, using this uh, crystalline amino acid because we see that there is a direct positive effect on reducing production of high gut fermentation. And also we see um, uh, re reduction in diarrhea incident. And currently we also look at um, the application of um, uh, probiotics. So we have some uh, bacillus-based um, uh, probiotics also for swine. And very interesting that when we add supplement uh, that probiotic in 
the low cuprinone diet, we see there is a synergistic effect, meaning it improve growth performance and improve um, fecal conversion ratios, and also really clearly seeing the uh, reduction in this diarrhea incident. So uh, we are currently exploring furthermore, also adding with other functional ingredients like uh, functional fibers, and also later on, we will also look at other uh, uh, products like uh, organic acid and phytogenic. This is, uh, so this is, um, we, we understand and we believe that uh, using just one product uh, uh, will have a less chance to really, you know, sub, um, um, to maintain the performance. So we have to use uh, this, we call it holistic uh, uh, concept of all these um, analytic knowledge, uh, technical knowledge, and also with this uh, functional products. Very interesting. One of the last few questions I want to ask you, it's really around uh, common misunderstandings or, or areas where if you look at the swine industry that you think are our next steps, right? What's our, our opportunity for improvement? Do you have a couple of those in mind after all of this discussion today? Sure, I can give a few of them. Um, uh, so one of the situation that I observe also traveling to um, some countries uh, in, in Asia, for example, the understanding on the amino acid uh, requirements and ratios. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, of course, we are focusing on reducing the fee cost, uh, but sometimes it's not in the right direction. Um, uh, so for example, uh, the they are reducing crude protein because it's a, mm, it's becoming like a trend. It's like suggesting, you know, by the uh, feed industry, but then they ignore the the ratios of the next limited amino acid, uh, for example, from valine, isoleucine are really low. Uh, and, and, and sometimes also imbalance uh, is an issue. Like um, there were some time that lysine was, uh, the price of lysine, ACL, for example, was uh, quite low. So they are, for example, some nutrition adding uh, that more higher lysine, but others are really low. So uh, what, what I want to say is that we should really remember that, you know, uh, this body protein synthesis is all or nothing, right? I mean, so this is really simple, but we should remember that it's amino acid. This is really, the foundation of body protein synthesis. It, we're just supplying extra amount, but one is below or missing, then we, we, the pigs will not perform. It's just a loss. So that, that, that would be the, the, one of the areas that uh, need to uh, consider or pay attention. And um, the next one, I would like to also mention that, very interesting that there are some kinds of uh, assumption or understanding on the use of uh, synthetic or feed amino acid, um, whatever you call it, maybe from the old schools that, hey, you cannot add, uh, for example, L-lysine uh, more than five um, or even lower five uh, kilogram per tons of feed. Uh, and then it's like some nutrition really have a concern on that. Hey, we cannot, why, how can we do that? How can we lower it? So, we should take the whole picture. So that may be right at a given situation where we either you don't use any other um, amino acid or only few of them, right? But if we have now uh, six 
of five, six uh, crystalline amino acid, then we can, we can uh, uh, still uh, increase the inclusions of, uh, for example, L-lysine in the diet. And the pigs are perfectly fine. And we have done a couple of, uh, we call it a validation trials to validate, to check that. And we even removed swabimi. We, we did a, um, you know, a really stepwise reduction of swabimi and we removed completely out the swabimi from the grower, 25 kilo all the way to slaughter. And, and we were amazed that by maintaining all these amino acid ratios, the pigs don't reduce, you know, feed intake and they're perfectly fine and the carcass uh, parameter is also not affected. So this is just, I would like to take this opportunity to explain that we need to better uh, understand the amino acid uh, requirement and, and the ratios. And then the, the last point will be then touching on this um, uh, challenges. Although it's maybe a, a kind of new or, or recent on this, um, uh, the ratios of some functional amino acid, uh, because the research has really um, uh, has increased the last 10 years or so, but really there is really by adjusting these ratios, um, not ignoring like, you know, uh, if we use, depends on uh, using which raw material, is it fiber rich or, or AGP free feeding or not? So we can, uh, we should consider to adjust um, these uh, ratios of some of these uh, key amino acids. To, to maintain the optimum performance of the pigs. I think those are great suggestions and certainly the, the misunderstanding around how much crystalline amino acid can be added to the feed. Uh, even now when I formulate diets, every once in a while I'll look at that and go, oh, can I really add that much lysine? But then when you go through the, the, the ratios, you're like, yeah, everything is, is fine. But yeah, it's, yeah, we've been taught that for so long. You're right. It's, it's, learning yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that new concept of, of trusting our science and, and using it to the best of our ability. That's, that's a very good point. Um, so as we kind of wrap up our discussion before I ask the, the three famous questions, um, do you have any last comments or, or things that you would like our audience to take away from our conversation today? Yeah, um, thanks for this question. I would like to um, mention that Pig production is, has evolved a lot. We have seen, you know, uh, um, affecting very quickly. If something happened like disease outbreak in other parts of the world, it's affecting uh, globally. And at the same time, we have increased a lot of knowledge, really in the, not similar to the genetic, right? The, but also from the swine nutrition side, we have, we know a lot of um, knowledge and all new nutrient, not only amino acid and energy. So I would like to, uh, just make comment that we should consider these and, and try to apply uh, and also the uh, sustainability aspect. Uh, we have to not only address it, but really uh, walk the talk uh, to really to grow our business in, in every area, not only the companies or uh, the producers, because the population is growing in 2050, there will be uh, the prediction is that there were two more billions so to feed the green populations. And uh, so we need to optimize the efficiency and also consider to give the chance to, to our children, the young generation, that they can also uh, yeah, um, uh, produce in, in a sustainable way. So, and, and there are knowledge, uh, information there, and, and we, we should optimize that and to, to care for the the, you know, the global, uh, the climate. And uh, that would be my, my, my last uh, suggestion. 
Yes, and I think you proved some very good points with that, with sustainability and and the use of your feed-grade amino acids and in terms of their ability to reduce our water usage and, and of course, nitrogen content for, for ground application. So I think that's a, an excellent point and summary to our conversation today. It is time to our famous three. An animal nutrition technology company offering innovative products and new applications for the swine industry. The combination of AB Vista enzymes, technical services, and nutrition expertise provides the industry with new opportunities to further improve production efficiencies. Fiber is receiving renewed interest due to its influence on the microbiome, and AB Vista has brought together research experts to discuss the industry's knowledge of fiber functionality and to introduce a stimbiotic targeted to improve fiber digestion. To request access, Contact NAM at abvista.com. The truth is precision swine production is not the future, it is the present. Every pig is the intelligent pig health platform. It is a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Request a free 20-minute demonstration at www.everypig.co slash swineit. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com. So uh, as we conclude today, we do like to ask our, our guest speaker a, a few questions, as you know. Um, one of the first questions that we like to ask is, what's your favorite swine book? What's your go-to resource? There are a few books that I like, uh, but if it is as a favorite, I will pick the, the book, uh, famous book, Swine Nutrition, uh, edited by uh, Dr. Lewis and Dr. Sultan in 2000. And uh, so for me, this is like the, the textbook or the guidebook. When I need to look up uh, some topics, I, I would use that. I have it in my office. So that, that will be the, the book for me. Yes, that's a very good book. I have that one on my shelf as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there a, a current book that you're reading or a, a favorite book that you would suggest to our audience to, to pick up and read? Yes. Also, it's very hard, very difficult questions. But I, as a personal book of favorite or that the one I is touching a lot, a very current is uh, is a book uh, called um, "The River of Lost Footsteps." So it's "The River of Lost Footsteps" by Tan Min Tan, which is a Burmese or author. Uh, but for me, uh, this book, uh, as I said, I'm from. Um, originally from Burma, but I have left like, you know, more than 25 years, but that book really gave the, the not only the history, but uh, tell the long history of where the, our ancestor, uh, ancient time, uh, how, where we came from, uh, you know, like back three, 4,000 years ago until today. Uh, and, and also uh, he, in the conclusion, he addressed that, is still not the ending. So a lot of uh, um, issues, challenges stay, uh, we are still facing. And, and it's also currently, this, uh, unfortunately, the situation. Uh, and so we really need uh, good and wise leaders for each and each country. And, uh, and uh, this is, uh, so for me, this is uh, important, maybe not for uh, others, but if you have the chance, uh, I would suggest so really give the the connection of all 
different culture. Yeah. At that time, also people from Europe uh, also came to Asia, for example, and also a lot of trade in all India, China, all these countries, and 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 of course the the Second World War, and and so it really had to un understand the the culture of the uh, this um, uh, country, I would say. So again, this is my uh, personal uh, favorite. Yeah. Good. That's very good. Well, the, the last question we like to ask is when you think of someone who's successful as a swine professional, what characteristics set them apart from others? I believe a good foundation and also this perseverance is very important. And we, hit, we need to have motivation. We have to have our uh, objective, our aim. Also, just not just for me at the time, I was really... Um, very eager to learn all the new knowledge, new things, which we, I did not have in my back then in my country. So, and, and this then do we build up the, the foundation uh, in, in your area. Uh, and, and also like motivation and, and also another thing is very important to have um, networking. Yeah, the world is really changing. We need to adapt. Uh, we have to be prepared to uh, face the changes um, and also um, yeah, networking in a way uh, we cannot mm, live uh, in, you know, in a silo, we call it. We need to interact, uh, exchange information, knowledge, and, and this is where we, we grow. And, and, so, and then uh, a step each time. So each time we need, we, we cannot stop. Oh, I, I, for example, I know this and I, I, I can stop. No, it's not that way. This is really... We need to keep moving, and that's how I, I, I believe that we can, uh, we can be successful in our career. Absolutely. That's a very good point. Well, John, again, I appreciate your time today. Um, if our audience has any questions for you, do you have a contact that you would like to offer today? Yes, the best will be uh, via email address. So my email address is uh, John2, so J-O-H-N dot h-t-o-o at evonic e-v-o-n-i-k dot c-o-m so please feel free to um yeah uh, uh send a, a message I, I will be more happy to answer and also i would like to express my uh thanks appreciation for your time and for this opportunity of good discussion laura <laughs> thank you thank you so much john i've appreciated it and enjoyed it as well so uh, we wish you all the best and take care. Thank you very much. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact by bringing from hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of swine nutrition on this seven week long elite online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding. It's conducted by myself, Dr. Marcio Gonçalves, and my world-class invited speakers. Additionally, you enjoy an exclusive community to exchange ideas. Go now to www.eliteswinenutritionist.com.